Welcome to the first episode of Church Beats, episode number one. Yeah. So I'm CJ Alvarado, CEO and Chief Strategist at Bamboo Creative. I'm Lee Fields. I work at Bayside Church. And I'm Leslie Johnston, and I work at Bayside Church as well. Guys, how are you? Good. Great. Good. So we've all talked about um, how, as leaders, we need to, you know, inspire people. It's just a part of just what we do to get awesome things done. But just to take it like a layer a little bit deeper, how do we inspire millennials? How do we attract them? How do we retain them? How do we just keep them pumped? Uh, what What's a millennial? Me, Lee. I'm a millennial. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, that's it. Is that a really good definition? Yeah. Really? I mean, uh, it's a it's a term sociologists have given what what's the what do you know what the year the actual year is it's like I've I've seen a lot of different bubbles because okay. I'm on either the inside or outside every time just depending on who you're yeah. talking to I was born in '84 so I've heard people say uh, like '86 right. but I've heard all the way down to like 1980 also okay. yeah do you remember life before the internet Oh yeah I remember getting in trouble for stealing my no, I didn't steal. I sure. I contributed yeah. to a the. Millennial would say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay, so remember good. all the AOL discs? Of and it's like in the tin boxes. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. But it was like you know, thirty day or six week yeah, trial yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it was like summer, and at my buddy's house, and we would find like an old blank check and like fraud his parents' info to start oh an AOL account. You did? Yeah. How many times did you pull that? A couple months. Wow. And then it started like the demo's over and then it charges you, right? Like they've been doing that for years. So, and then we totally got busted. We were probably 14, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. Okay. Wow. So that would have been like, but you knew that like AOL was like valuable. There was something cool about AOL. It was all about instant messaging. Right. We wanted to create oh, screen I names. Oh, I instant messaged. Yeah. Yeah. I would fight with my friends on instant message. That's all we time. wanted to do was like create so, screen names. Just based on that story alone, dude, you're kind of like on the border here, right? Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you remember life without the internet? Uh, I don't remember life without the internet, but I remember life before cell phones were like a really big thing. Big deal. Yeah. yeah. So you are true and true a millennial though. Like I had a flip phone and I shared it with three of my siblings. Okay. So. Yeah, I had the Nokia that you would like change the faceplate out. Oh, and yeah. And had all the different designs, a cricket phone. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. But I, so I had that in like 10th and 11th grade. Did you have a pager? I did. I had a oh, pager in pager. sixth grade. Oh my god! What? I know. So cool. I was rolling through, rolling through the trailer park with a pager. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's funny, man. All right, well. And it was clear. It was a clear one. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like oh. it wasn't the one you looked up at the very top. Was it that mine one was on the, the top? Other? You looked on the top, so you put it yeah, on yeah, your yeah, belt, yeah, and if yeah. like you're really cool, so like you put the body of it outside your pocket. Oh yeah, man. So then I had to read it upside yes, down. That yeah. is cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. That's Lee Fields, folks. Lee Fields on the mic. Bring it. Today in this yep. podcast. So, uh, that's hilarious. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think today so much has changed from those days, obviously. Slightly. Did you have the I still listen Nintendo to Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> Did you have the Power Glove? No, I didn't have the Power Glove. We live in a trailer park. Okay. I had the Nintendo, but not the Power Glove. <laughs> I had the Power Glove. It didn't work as well. Gosh. But I lived in the hood, but I still... I'm I so jealous of that Power Glove. <laughs> 
Leslie has no idea what the power glove no, is. I'm just awesome. laughing. It's so. pretty awesome. Anyway, so Lee, you have 24 people basically working in your group. Yeah, you something like that. You oversee them, something like that. So Yeah, me and another guy, Brandon, lead that team. The percentage of millennials you have in your team, just so at least people have an idea, like what you're working with is what? I think it's all but two. Yeah, that's crazy. And they're like just a few years older, so they're, you know, 34, 35, somewhere in there. Right. Like, Lee, what, what have been some of the challenges that you've seen personally? Um, our team um, definitely... Everyone on the team wants to feel like they belong to something bigger than themselves mm. that matters. Yeah. And even like outside of the global church, like the mission of the church in itself is, I mean, that obviously matters. Right. But even our team inside of a big organization needed its own thing to latch on to that's yeah. bigger than themselves. Mm. So, and a bit of that is like everybody realizes like millennials are driven by causes and compassion like Tom's Shoes or um, you know there's lots of organizations like that so I went through so many pairs of Tom's Shoes I did you? so many yeah. I never owned any you didn't? no I never pair. no oh wow no no Tom's no. so it's like but because that cause is bigger than just buying a pair of shoes right. they're a part of something else so I think in any area of a millennial's life um, they need something extra to sink their teeth into yeah. to feel like they belong to something bigger than just the single part that they're playing. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of interesting to me because I feel like maybe most people would prefer that, but there certainly was like a time where some people worked in the same company 30 years. Like I had relatives, like great uncles or grandfather or something worked at the same place yeah. for like 20 years regardless if there was a right. purpose or a sense of meaning no, you just do it the sense of meaning was kind of like I just worked provide for my family and that right. was that or whatever so but we were chatting a little bit about this earlier like this may be a generation who's willing to like sacrifice like their own livelihood or oh, finance truth, you know what I mean yeah. so maybe yeah. chime in on that I know I was thinking about it and a lot of my friends we'll talk about jobs we're getting or whatever, and the occasional person, if they're brave enough, will be like, so how much are they offering you or how much are they gonna pay you? And a lot of times it's like, oh, I don't know. I'm more concerned about like what the job is totally. and like what I get to do, the opportunities I get. So, I mean, honestly, I see that a lot as a good thing of, hey, I'm more interested in my actual job and I want purpose in my job and I want um, to know what I'm doing really matters over how much am I getting paid. If, right. If there's you know? a bowling alley in the office. Then you're in. Then, like, yeah. It's like, yeah. how cool are the desks? Exactly. How often do I get a new iPhone? Yeah. Don't you think that makes it tougher? Like, I'm a business owner, and I certainly yeah. know, like, like that, that could seem like an endless, impossible task for... Yeah anyone other than Google or Uber. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. Thanks you, a lot, Uber. Yeah, right. And you guys, like, you guys run departments too, so like, how do you, how do you think organizations contend with that? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the culture you set. Yeah. Like, our offices here aren't like the most amazing, cool, hip place, but for our millennials, it's a really flexible work environment. So they can, they don't have to be pinned down in a cubicle. Do we even have cubicles left? There's not many. Not many. Not really. There's not a lot left. So I think just how you approach the workspace, whether you can put restoration hardware furniture in, it really shouldn't matter. It's probably more about the culture yeah. and team and 
things totally. like that, you know? That collaborative environment. I think there's like two levels. Obviously, a lot of millennials are like, do I get a bowling alley? Do I have those hanging chairs I can sit in? Like right. that's what's right. appealing to a job. Right. Right. But then once they're actually in it, what they really want is that collaborative, they want to be listened to. Um, and I think that's a lot of just growing up feeling like being told that what they think is important and that they're important and yeah. sometimes to the extremes that you're the best, like everything you say yeah. is true. Eighth place um, trophies. Exactly. And so <laughs> I think for me at least, a job that I get access to leaders and the highest up people in organ at an organization, like I want community with them in my job and yeah. so yeah. I think that's what they're really craving but a lot of times it can just be like oh, I want a cool office but right. then when they actually get in it that's not going to be enough no right totally yeah there's no substance to it yeah that's but. a that's a really good point because I think there's a lot of people who could be listening who are like we one we can't compete so what do we do and I think mm -hmm. I think that is a good point to go a key offering or benefit to millennial may be like you have a, a way to pour into them like that includes really listening to them giving them access help growing them I mean, I know a lot of people who have taken less fancy and I don't know like <laughs> sexy jobs yeah because they knew like they were <clears throat> gonna get poured into like someone was mentoring them someone like, they felt like they actually had a trajectory of growth yeah so mm -hmm. I think that could be like a real advantage to anybody who isn't you know able to yeah replace chairs with hammocks yeah exactly <laughs> and the mentoring thing's interesting so like if let's say CEO or a senior pastor of a church feels like that they are doing a great job mentoring a millennial they should ask them because I think the expectations are different. Mm. So for now don't go open a can of worms there, Lee. Okay, sorry, I'm about to. No, please open a can. Of worms. A lot. I I found that because we've had conversations here about it. When you tell a leader or a mentor or a boss, hey, can we like ramp up the mentoring thing? Maybe we don't feel it at all, and then you see a surprised look on the person on the other side of the table's face. Right. Mentoring to some people could just be osmosis. Like, well, just watch me for sure. years and right. years and years. But to a millennial who gets instant feedback on their Instagram, right. people are liking and commenting immediately, and then over a week they know that, hey, if I post a selfie from this angle, it'll get 150 likes every time. So I'm just gonna keep doing that. On a what, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, so that instant feedback that they're getting outside of work, they're looking for that inside of work too. Yeah. Immediate, instant, clear feedback. Totally. Yeah. I think too, if you're a millennial, like it's important to take a step back and understand most people probably didn't have mentorship in how they would ideally define it right. professionally, like in their jobs. Yeah. Like I remember one of my first jobs, like in Silicon Valley, big tech company, nobody was really taking a minute to just be like, I really want to make sure you're good. And like there, there wasn't that. It started to come into the organization later on, but like, we could be at this interesting point where a lot of people didn't have it, don't didn't expect it, right. and kind of lead from that. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's always like a a bad intent. No. On the part of the leader, right? I think it's just like literally you just have to two, shift. Yeah. It's just how you're doing it. Yeah. Because you're ha they're having those thoughts, you yeah. know, in real time. If you're in a, a meeting and a millennial says something and you log in the back of your head, they should probably tweak that and this or that. That'd really help them. You may not say that, but your intentions may be, 
another six months of being in this meeting and they'll get it. Right. And that it's not working anymore. Right. You have to change the game a bit and go as soon as the meeting's over. Hey, let me grab you. You said this. If you phrased it this way, it would come across better. Or hey, you need to know the backstory of this or X Y or whatever. Yeah, it's so just good. more about being intentional, real time feedback. Right. Yeah. And even the positive feedback too of taking the time to go. That was really smart. You know, I've been yeah. in meetings where I'll say something really small and someone will be like, that's a good thought. And honestly, for, I mean, probably anyone, but especially millennials, yeah. that's like a huge boost. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And what's cool about that is I think like those things can happen over a text message, over Slack, yeah. Yeah. over e like it doesn't have to have a layer of formality no. to it. Like, mm -hmm. let's sit down and do a one-on-one, -on -one, no. which a lot of leaders, especially in the bigger organizations that you get in, they just don't always have time to do that. They do, however, have time to be able to take a minute or two, send yeah. a text, and it, it, it can mean just as much yeah. in a lot of ways. So, yeah, yeah super cool. Um, so is there anything in particular, like with you guys, where you've experienced that firsthand or, uh, have, have had to kind of implement that in your own departments or with your own teams? Or is it, does it just come natural for you guys? Uh, you know what, I've realized something in our organization is natural that's not normal, okay. and I think we've taken it for granted, is access to the C-level offices, oh yeah. or the senior pastor office or executive pastor. Um, in a big organization, a 24-year-old may never talk to the CEO, right. or a 24-year-old may never talk to a Andy Stanley or Craig O'Shell or who or whatever that may be. Yeah. Because of the way our offices are set up and the way we do meetings here, we're around the leaders of the church all the time. Yeah. And I think people take it for granted because it's not normal sure. at all. Yeah. But millennials value that. We know that now. Like they go into Facebook and want to know where Zuck's office is, right. and they're probably never going to see him. But that's like. That's a big reason they took the job. Like, oh, I'm going to get to have lunch with Zuckerberg. Right. Yeah. Right. And one thing that I've noticed uh, at our church is best idea wins. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a meeting, there's no sense of hierarchy. It's whoever has the best idea and says it, verbalizes it, yeah. that wins. Yeah. You know, no matter who you are, which I think is great. And I think that's how a lot of millennials want it to be. Yeah. You know, yeah. because they probably did grow up with parents who instilled in them like you have great ideas you need to speak right. up all of that so when they get into an organization and there's that oh you can't say something unless you're at this level right they won't understand that and like it's not their fault that they were raised that way exactly the Simon Sinek video that's yeah. like blowing the internet up right, right now mm -hmm. he addresses that it's like look yeah there there are issues but yeah. They were seven years old, like, get off their backs a bit. That's what I got from it. Yeah, yeah like, good. you need to teach them. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, and those are those are things a lot of people, it, it seems like, at least in the conversations where they seem charged about that generation, yeah. um, that perspective's missing, like, yeah. a little bit of empathy. And what I have found is empathy is, is actually an incredible, useful tool for people working with millennials and working with people in general, but being able to take a minute and go like, okay, what was what was their perspective? We, we yeah. joked a little bit about everybody getting a trophy, yeah. you know, about, mm -hmm. about uh, growing up with the belief and in a time in society really where it was like, anything's possible, whatever yeah. you wanna do, you can do it. Yeah. Um, I think that obviously that affects a generation, yeah. you know? Yeah. I'm curious to know if 
the stigmas that millennials have here, good and bad, apply internationally. I was, uh, we were just in Southern California, I was with an Australian guy, and we were talking about uh, cultural differences in music, and he actually brought up, he said, one of the biggest differences is, when I was in school, in middle school or high school, if someone stood up and said, I'm gonna be an astronaut when I grow up, his peers in Australia would tell him to sit down, because that's crazy. And here, that's like, yes, you go for it. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. That is. And I think now, people are more connected than ever, and cultures are being more connected because right. of the internet and music yeah. and things like that. So like, a third world country millennial, they're also, everyone's listening to Drake in the weekend. Sure. Like, that's yeah. all the same now, and it's never been that way before. Fashion, right. music, all that stuff's the same. But where some of these, um, idiosyncrasies, are they the same based on when the millennial was impressionable 20 sure. years ago or 15 years ago? Right. I don't know the answer. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I think, like you said, there are definitely aspects that are global. Yeah. But the psychology of it all, like, right. I, I don't know. I Funny story, I was in uh, Honduras or something, and we're driving up to a coffee plantation. There's, like, no roads, so no infrastructure. Yeah. Super rural. They're, like person on the side of the road, like kind of washing hands and stuff off just some water that was a little fall that was kind of coming off yeah. the cliff. And I'm, I'm watching it and a gal walking down this hill with a big like bundle of sticks on her head. And I'm like, wow, this is just crazy. Like totally just observing everything. And then out of the bush comes a guy in skinny jeans and a mohawk. <laughs> like a young guy, yeah. you know, it's like, he must've been like 15, 16. And then I started realizing like around this village, these small areas, like they look just like any hipster, you know, in this city or, wow. or oh, yeah. community. And that's when it really hit me. Like there really is this like global generation yeah. sense to it. Totally. So I think there's some things we can really leverage from that, you know, but then I think there are some unique challenges that we probably haven't ever really seen as a yeah. church, you know? That's interesting. interesting. Shall we ponder that? Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. So, uh, you think about like a lot of the churches that we're, we're talking to and working with, I mean, what have been maybe some of the more effective things in the way that, you know, we, we keep millennials. So we talked about yeah. mentorship, we talked about communication. Um, I'll, I'll throw one thing out there that has been kind of a paradigm shift for, um, for me and, and the group that I'm working with is this idea that for millennials, uh, everything's kind of like always new. So yeah. you're always updating your app, your apps, right? Like mm -hmm. every morning now, it seems like when I wake right. up, I have to update. Something's loading. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have to, yeah, exactly. If you haven't set automatic updates, like something, yeah. something's like needs to be updated. And I started thinking about like, there was probably a time where, um, like you could just wait before you updated a bunch of stuff, but now it's like everything just doesn't work right if right. you don't do that. So it started like, it started hitting me that like we are in this perpetual state of being a newbie. Yeah. Like Instagram releases stories and yeah. now we're all kind of learning how to use it again yeah. or figure it out. Snapchat felt like, even though I was using it for a long time, I, I still feel like a newbie. Like yeah. <laughs> I couldn't right. figure out the interface for a while. Yeah. Um, but I think there's something to it in that leaders have to be more comfortable, especially around millennials just being newbies. 
Just yeah. constantly learning, constantly being open-minded about the way certain things are, uh, new ideas that may be out there, and just really just kind of accepting for the first time that we may just be in this perpetual state of being a newbie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Not to be all philosophical about it, but I think if I approach a meeting with a bunch of younger creatives, understanding that they may be seeing something or doing something, that idea may really work. It just yeah. may be happening really fast or new to me. Like, it doesn't mean it's it's not game on. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't know. And, and even, like, the future success of millennials in the workplace, I don't know that we know yet. And I don't even know, especially churches, what best practices are to keep millennials engaged for 10, 15, Do you think really years. anybody knows? No, I don't know I don't, anyone I don't knows, think right? they do. And yeah. I think we're coming up on it. So I'm 32, and it's like, well, what's the next five years look like for me? What's the next 10 years look like for me? Yeah. And... A 32-year-old previous generation, you know, 20 years ago, I don't, well, obviously they weren't thinking the same things, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And me being a victim or a success story <laughs> of it, I guess I'm a little <laughs> probably blind and jaded at the same time to, to what it'll be like, so I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit like um, senior leaders and they're just gonna have to put their money where their mouth is. I mean, at, the, at some point there's gonna have to be a change of power and if it's going to be peaceful or not and how you're engaged and you know getting more responsibility and things and at what point does micromanaging stop and you know yeah things like that so i don't know well yeah i mean just from a numbers perspective i think the last thing i heard like boomers represented 75 million or whatever it is and right now millennials are like 80 something million so like yeah if it was like there's two million of them that maybe right. you could be like, ah, oh, we yeah, can afford no. to not to neglect it. But like, right. this is this is the time. Yeah, yeah. this is yeah, the we're, time. We're there yeah. for sure. Yeah. I think, too, like there's just a ton of stuff that can be uh, there's a ton of opportunities. So That's, yeah, exactly. millennials are obviously they're digital natives, super comfortable with things like digital and uh, there's a lot that organizations can do now to make a bigger impact if they can open their minds and leverage and learn you know, yeah. from that. So um, I don't know if you guys have seen that firsthand, but I think it's a huge opportunity for churches. Yeah, and I think there's a huge opportunity, I mean, in any company mm. where a millennial, if given kind of the space to do it, will take their job that maybe is a, seems like a meaningless job and try to make purpose out of it or yeah. try to, make that position matter or go beyond um, just because they are wanting that sense of purpose that I think they'll, they'll make it happen, yeah. which could be cool. Right, if they don't find it in your organization, they'll go elsewhere. Oh right? yeah, that's and true And we've too. even experienced some of that with internally, like we've had guys going, hey, if I don't get to create stuff that matters, like I'll just go take my camera and live under a bridge and right. do the stuff I want. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. we've had to figure that out too. I had a friend uh, graduate college and he got offered a position um, at a company that he didn't feel was high enough for him. So he decided to just reject the whole thing. And then he's like, well, I'm just going to work at like Starbucks or something like a part-time yeah. job for now until I can get hired until I can get hired into something that like feels big enough for me. Yeah. And it was just it was so interesting. <laughs> At the company he wanted. 
but not, yes. but not the position. Yeah, he was like, I'm too, like, quote, I'm too good for that job, so I'm just gonna work at Starbucks for now. It's just so interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it's not right or wrong, because it's how it feels. But... Right. Okay, but yeah, yeah, on that point, I mean, what would what would both of you guys tell? I mean, you're a millennial, so what would you tell what would you tell another millennial though? What are some maybe yeah. a couple thoughts? Like if mm. there are some younger folks or people our age listening to this, like what what's I piece think of advice? A, a big thing is a 22 year old and let's say uh, someone in their 40s, a season of life to someone in their 40s, it's like five to ten years when they think about seasons of life. To a millennial, they see it as like three months. Because oh, about every three totally. months, their whole life, everything has changed. <laughs> everything. They're on a new sports team, they're on a new iOS, they're on a new version of Snapchat, right? So like it's right. all it's all different every few months. <laughs> so I don't think we're gonna be able to change that. I just think they need to be able to acknowledge that the perception of seasons and stages of life are drastically different yeah, that's good. from the people that are sometimes making decisions for their life. Right. So they so you're saying they just gotta they gotta roll with it. I think they're gonna have to yeah. for a while. Yeah. Because millennials aren't entering into that higher level leadership and organizations yet to be able to to lead that the same way. Sure. So I don't think you're gonna change either party. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I totally experienced that when I first graduated. I would not take a job that was m more commitment than like three to six months. Right. It was like, I, I was like, oh, I'll do that job if it's only like three months. Because yeah. then it's not committing to something. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, just being for myself, it's like hard, committing is hard to something because yeah. you feel like, I don't want to be stuck in this job for 40 years. You know, like, right, right, that's right. the classic, like, like, to any millennial, I feel like, Thinking about working at the same company for 40 years, unless it's Apple, you're right. like, kill me now. And that's you a know? badge of honor to my parents. Exactly, yeah, no it's doubt. totally no flipped. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, worrying about committing, and then also really worrying about being rejected. Like I've had friends who've been rejected from the smallest jobs, and it has been the hardest, like just terrible situation for them. And so I think because we grew up being so um, like groomed and like, you're the best, you're special. And then when someone rejects you, even on such a small level, it just causes so much anxiety and depression. I feel like it's so huge for millennials because yeah. you're it's so counter to what you were told growing up. Right. And then I think with the committing thing, you think you're too good for any job. I mean, not everyone, but I think you feel sometimes like you're too good for any job. So Especially like, someone that's educated. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, and then if you go to college, it's like, oh my gosh, then I am. Like I should be CEO of, <laughs> right, of course. Apple, it's but just, right. yeah, Very so <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think committing to jobs can be hard, and I feel I've watched a ton of people who are hiring people. They're like, "Well, I don't want to hire someone young because they'll only stay here for three months." Right, right. Like it's known that that's just a thing. Yeah. Well, and I think there are some things like obviously. If you're in a if you're in a, a terrible gig that you know you're losing a piece of your soul every day, like make the call. You know what I mean? But right. yeah. But there's so much that you learn in the grind that I think is is really difficult for any you know any human being I guess that wants to just have a very like comfortable convenient existence, right? Like there yeah. there just is so much that you gain in the struggle of of helping an organization build something or right. you building something. So 
to not commit you know there's danger in that as well obviously so yeah anyway we've talked commitment mentoring communication any final thoughts or words on this as we or before we wrap can't live with them can't live without them <laughs> <laughs> wise right, words by lee fields <laughs> i mean it's true though yep i don't feel like especially for church and what we're trying to do it's a generational thing it has to bleed into the next generation or it's it'll die right so i feel like it's like let's do this you know yeah. we mm-hmm. we, ha- we don't have a choice but to figure it out right so start earlier rather than later yep yeah good word i think i think there's a lot of good things about millennials too i think there's mm-hmm. a lot of people are just you go, you google millennials and the first article is like why they're the worst and I know. it's just it's yeah a lot of just ragging on them but i think there's a lot of great things that can come from it like a lot of purpose and um a lot of social justice a lot of that so i think there's just a balance of i think i think we need to appreciate the things about millennials and really capitalize on those things but i also think we need to teach them well, speak for myself teach me yeah. and the rest of my millennials but teach us <laughs> how to um, like how to commit to things, how mm-hmm. to uh, work your way up and not just be handed something. I think we just, and to, and to understand that they were raised that way. So giving a little grace on yeah, like, sure, okay, course. now we need to teach you this, yep. you know? Yeah. I think it's, it's not even a, maybe as much about, I need to be willing to be taught that the way I think about things is wrong. It's. Mm-hmm. I think they just need pointed in the right direction. Oh, yeah. Totally. It's like the positives, to me, way outweigh the negatives. Yes. And, like, the next great things that society has will come from them. Yeah. Because okay. it won't be coming yeah. from anybody else. Like, at some point, it's only going to be millennials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until the next generation comes. So, if we don't figure it out, they're going to figure it out for themselves. Yeah. And I think encouraging millennials, I think yeah. everyone goes, oh, well, they've been babied their whole life, or they've been talked up too much so like let's just try to tear them down you know like tear down the ego but I think a lot of it is a lot of false encouragement and things that they know they know they they know they're not the best Mm -hmm. like it's all this false things being built up to them that I think they need some like true encouragement about this is what you're good at but also this is how you can grow so I think honesty and building them up I think that's key yeah and the only other thing I'd add to your guys word is uh don't be afraid of some of that entrepreneurial spirit like i feel yes. more and more organizations that are winning are the ones who are allowing that lee we talked about it like a form of intrapreneurship to exist with inside the organization yes. rather yeah. than here's our agenda this is the only way we should do it this is how we've always done it allowing obviously with some guidelines or frameworks but yep. allowing that that entrepreneurial spirit yeah. and resourcefulness. Like every millennial I've had for the most part is not afraid to just be like, I'll go jump on YouTube or get right. something going totally. and figure stuff out. So if you can harness that, I think your organization or church or business or whatever can really have an advantage. Mm-hmm. So That's awesome. All right, well, that wraps up our first episode. Can we give it up? Yeah. Like, I feel pretty good about that. We did yeah, it. Yeah, anyway, so, uh If you found this valuable, you can uh, leave some feedback in the comments wherever you downloaded this or streaming it. Uh, We're just gonna figure out what this thing's gonna turn into, and so we'll point people to uh, some kind of site at some point uh, if this thing continues to be uh, valuable to you. Really, at the end of the day, our heart is just to try to 
be a value to folks, to churches. We know the impact they're trying to have and we know that we are like maybe at one of the most significant infle inflection points in history. So like, I feel like we're kind of all in this together in some sense, you know? Cool. So, uh, so yeah, thanks for tuning in. Where can people find you guys? You can find me online uh, pretty much at Lee Fields, anywhere you look. Great. At Lee Fields. MySpace as well. Yeah, I, my top eight's full though, so don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, pretty much the same, Leslie Johnston on social media platforms. Cool, yeah, and I'm CJ Alvarado pretty much everywhere as well. Thank you guys for joining tonight, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.